Well, Job chapter 1, we're going to read the entirety of this chapter. And uh, it was interesting. I didn't necessarily intend on being in the book of Job. But I believe this is where the Lord would have us for this morning. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Uh, And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses in a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his, excuse me, every one his day, and sent and called for their uh, three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were uh, gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and, go, and from walking upon, up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered, The Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made an hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thine power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking... There came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking there, came also another, and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness, and smote the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose and rent his mantle, and shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground, and worshipped. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave... And the Lord hath taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. When adversity comes, is the title of the lesson this morning. Uh, And I know many of you have heard it. It's not if, but when. Uh, Challenges of life will come. Difficulties will come. Difficult circumstances will come. And I think perhaps 
uh, nothing confuses us or, or gets us or tries our faith more than when we see bad things happening to good people. Uh, it's really the age-old question uh, oftentimes asked, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? And uh, God's fairness and love sometimes come into question when a young parent is killed. You know, people don't know, understand why that would, would happen or uh, it leaves a spouse and it leaves some small children without a parent. And, or some people might begin to question God when a child gets diagnosed with a terminal illness. Well, why do these things happen? They often just leave us with the question, why? Oh, Lord, why? And if we're not careful, we'll begin to doubt. And I don't know, honestly, I'll be honest with you this morning, I don't know where this study is going to go. I don't, I don't think, I was never planning on studying the book of Job. Um, but this was just what God put on my heart today. And so uh, you're going to get it. <clears throat> Um, Job is an interesting book, and I, I came across some things as I was studying for this lesson that I'd never really realized about the book of Job and all the questions that people have uh, really about the author and the look. Where is us? He's from us, and, and a lot of these different questions that, uh, that people have. I always read the book of Job and took it as fact that Job was a real person that existed, but there are people out there that question that Job is just an allegory. It was just some poetry and some things that, and and now I, I think I'm trying I'm trying not to get ahead of my notes, but you'll see there's some things in scripture that I believe indicate to us Job was a real person. There's no question about that. Um, and so, but as I began studying, you know, all these scholars that I'm supposed to be looking up to, I get I don't know if I'm supposed to look up to them, but I try to go to them to seek some information to expound my mind on the scriptures, and I realized some of these guys were just clowns. It's like, what in the world is going on here? Just read the word. Um, anyway, I, now, and I'm not saying don't study. That's not what I'm saying either. But listen, I want you to lean on the Bible and the Holy Spirit more than anything else. Uh, as, as I study more and more, the more I realize there's so much bizarre nonsense out there that's not scriptural. And so uh, take the Bible for what it's worth. Uh, read it and, and apply it to your life and you won't go wrong. But this is a book, as we call it, a, a poetry, a book of poetry. Uh, you know, we have Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon's are kind of uh, those five books that are put in there. Um, historically, it, um, I, I, I'm of the opinion currently that it appears between the time of Noah and Moses. I, I couldn't really find anything that really solidified the exact timing of this book. Uh, there's no mention of the law of Moses that I, that I recall seeing in here, uh, but there is a reference, I believe, to the flood. Job 22, 15 and 16 says this, Hast thou marked the old way which wicked men have trodden, which were cut down out of time, whose foundation was overthrown with a flood? And so I, I believe that's a reference to the, uh, what we would refer to the great flood. Um, but no one knows for sure who wrote it. Um, it is believed to be the oldest book in our Bible. Uh, the oldest book uh, predating the commandments and even the book of Genesis. Uh, <clears throat> but as I mentioned, it deals with the age-old question, and we'll look at it a little bit this morning. Why does God let bad things happen to good people? It doesn't seem fair. Spoiler alert, life's not fair. Uh, 
it's fun teaching your children. And if you're not careful and you do it in the flesh, you'll do things just to be mean. My wife would always caution me to not do that. But I thought it was funny to pick on my kids. It builds character. They need to be disappointed in life. No, there's enough disappointment in life. We don't have to create it for our kids. But, uh, but we're going to look at some of the adversity of Job. And, but verse 1, I want you to look at, at Job and the type of man or his character this morning. So it introduces this man, uh, a man in the land of Uz. We'll read that verse if you got your Bible. Oop, that's the book of Esther, sorry. Uh, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and the man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Well, what an honor to have these words as the descriptors of, of your character. Would God say that of you this morning? Perfect, upright, fears God. And eschews evil, he avoids evil. Some of us tamper with temptation. Uh, that wasn't Job's character. He avoided it. And so I, some of my, I'll share a few tidbits of things that I, that I came across, even though I, we don't, I don't know if we can dogmatically say where the land of Uz was, but there are some indicators. Uh, it sounds like it was maybe southeast of the Dead Sea a little bit. That's um, <clears throat> really not important to the lesson this morning, but it was just tidbits that I came across. Uh, so, but it tells us where he's from, right? He's from us, but um, he, we have these four things. The word perfect. If you look that up, it has the idea of being without any outstanding fault. Uh, complete in moral excellence. Boy, uh, pretty interesting description. He's upright. Uh, the idea there is a straight, he's a man of integrity or without deceit. He's an upright man. Uh, he also feared God. He lived a life in reverence to God, and, and he was obedient and, res, and lived respectfully in awe of the Creator. He, he feared God. Listen, oftentimes we live a life as if there is no God. And I'm talking to Christians this morning. We go about living our life, and, and listen, if you don't fear God, there is no way you're walking uprightly and you're not perfect. Listen, we need to understand who God is and how holy He is. And we need to honor Him and give Him the respect due Him. I think that one thing would change Christianity. So for some reason, we get this idea that we have a license in Christ. That God isn't holy and that God isn't to be feared. Nothing's further from the truth. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands. Listen, we ought to fear God. And so Job feared God. And listen, he turned away from evil. Listen, he didn't toy with temptation. The Word of God says, make not provision for the flesh. So oftentimes we tamper with this kind of stuff. Listen, if you have a hindrance in your life, if you have a temptation, if you have a sin that you struggle with, anything that gives you access to that, you need to cut off. It's only hindering you and your walk with God and your ability to serve Him. It may feel good to your flesh, it may feel, but it's, it's nothing but leading to destruction and frustration and difficulty in your life. 
I'm not perfect. I'm not upright. I don't believe that God would describe Justin DeGarmo like he does Job here. But boy, I want to. Don't you? And so anything that you allow in your life that deters you from that is dangerous and you ought to be willing to get rid of it. Lord, help us. We're too comfortable with sinful things. Far too comfortable, I believe. Can the same that is said of Job here be said of you? Somehow we get the idea that we're good enough to not deserve hardship somehow. We've earned the right to live a life of ease. Listen, we have a great example of Job here. If anybody was living good enough to avoid challenges in life, it was probably Job. And that's the description God gives of this man. And yet, as, as you all know, I'm sure many of you are familiar with Job, and, and we just read chapter 1, which lays out the beginning of this, this whole thing, is God allowed adversity. God allowed struggles. Even in the, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but in the superior spiritual condition that he was. God still allowed it. So when challenges come into your life, when difficulties come into your life, you're nothing special. Listen, God's just trying you. He's trying your faith, and we'll look at that here. But look at his prosperity, verses 2 through 5. And there was born unto him seven sons and three daughters, and his substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 she-asses. And it says here, in a very great house. And so uh, we see that this guy was wealthy. Uh, I didn't calculate up what he's, what he's worth because that, that really wasn't my focus today. But listen, he's not struggling for anything to get by. God has abundantly provided. And I don't want to get ahead of here, but, and he recognizes that God's done this in his life. We see that later on in this chapter, but, but he's so abundantly blessed. Uh, listen, in his day, wealth was measured uh, by the terms of land and livestock in, in his household. It says he had a very great household, which is indicated that he had many servants. Many folks in his home, in his household that he was responsible for and to care for. And obviously he had to have many folks to help care for all this livestock that he had. Seven boys, or I got three boys and they're, they're good workers. Um, at least people tell me that occasionally when they go do stuff for them. Sometimes I feel like they work harder for other people than me. Uh, but listen, when all my boys and I get to doing something, we can get a lot done. Uh, but I'm, I would think with even these seven boys, there's still plenty of work left to do for other people when you've got thousands of animals to care for. Uh, it's a lot of work. and um, <clears throat> He was so blessed, that verse here, it says, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. So we have this man that's very wealthy. Very, God has blessed him abundantly. Uh, listen, in Job, so he prosperity-wise, he was good, but he was a spiritual man. We, we kind of talked about that. Um, he had a great uh, family. His family was close-knit. We don't have any girls in my house. 
Well, my wife is a girl. But um, we didn't have any children that were females. So I don't know what it's like, but I know growing up with my sister, my sister and I didn't do much together. She's three or four years older than me, something like that. She's older than me. That's all that matters. Um, but we didn't do a lot together. Just, I'm a boy, she's a girl. She liked growing her hair, and I liked riding my bicycle, that kind of stuff, right? Um, but in Job's family, we see that when the boys were out having a feast, and those, they were inviting their sisters over. I think it's an indicator that he had a blessed family. And we know that Job was doing all that he could to keep his family on the right path. He was doing sacrifices and those things. I believe he was doing everything he could. And we might say that uh, he was a Ephesians 6-4 dad. Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. It says, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He was training his children, bringing them up and, and teaching them to, to live for God. Uh, so not only was he right with God himself, but he was doing the best he could as a father and, and leading his home. And I, I believe Job was a very prosperous man financially and in his home life. Uh, not everybody's family gathers together when it's time to gather together. You know, we, we get at odds at each, with each other. Uh, but that wasn't the case here. Uh, <clears throat> certainly he was blessed and honorable man. I don't think anybody this morning would deny that he was a good person. But oh boy, did he have troubles. Verses 6, six through 19 give us Job's problems. Uh, we read it this morning. I'm not going to go through all of it again. And, and, uh, <clears throat> but the scene shifts of, to this man that is, that is a godly man. He's, he's a prosperous man. He's a blessed man. And it shifts. And, and we know that the sons of God come before. And, and who comes? Satan. Boy, he's there. He comes and, and the Lord uh, talks to him. Uh, in verse 7 it says, Satan appears before God. And, and God asks him uh, from where... He, was, he has come. You think our omniscient God really didn't know? Certainly he knows where this fallen angel had been and, and he was well aware of what was taking place because we know in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. God knew what Satan was up to. Listen, and, and that's just a reminder this morning, we have an enemy. Every day that we're going about this life, there's, we're in spiritual war and there's an enemy out there that is seeking your destruction. Uh, we ought to be on guard. Uh, be sober, be vigilant, uh, the Word of God tells us. We have an enemy that seeks our destruction and will stop at nothing to get us to question our God. Um, I think, well, let me not get in my head of myself. But the Lord speaks to Satan here in verses 8 through 12. And you guys know the discourse that takes place here. And uh, Satan replies uh, to him, and, and uh, Job, <clears throat> is, he tells him, he's only obeying because you've blessed him. Does he serve you for naught? Of course he's going to serve you and honor you and fear you and live for you because you've, you've just poured out your blessings. His prosperity uh, is the only reason that he's serving you. And of course, we know that the Lord tells Satan that everything Job has is now in Satan's hands. Everything. But he's not to lay a finger on his life or on Job himself at this point. Uh, and so what does Satan do? He leaves the presence of the Lord. And then we get verses 13 through 15. 
Uh, we see sometime later, uh, while Job's sons and daughters, they're having a party. The eldest brothers, a messenger comes to Job. And that, what does that do? That begins the series of these messengers that bring bad news after bad news after bad news. And all this prosperity that we just talked about, all of these blessings that we see, uh, the physical blessings that we see in Job's life are taken away. The Sabians are the descendants of Sheba, of Cush, uh, Genesis 10.7. That's a site, that's a, a little footnote here. But, um, but that first messenger comes and he, uh, he tells them that uh, the oxen are plowing and the asses grazing nearby and the Sabians attacked and carried all the animals away. And they killed all the servants who were tending to the livestock and he's the only one to escape. Verses 16 and 17, while this messenger is still speaking. Could you imagine you can't even digest what just took place before the next punch in the gut comes? You haven't even had an opportunity to deal with that. And so this other messenger comes and he, he says uh, that, well, a fire falls from heaven uh, and burned up the sheep with all the servants and I'm the only one to escape. Just me. Then another messenger comes and tells Job that the Chaldeans uh, sent some raiding parties and carried off all the camels. They kill all the servants and leave. And then verses 18 and 19, and a third messenger is speaking. Or while that third messenger is still speaking, another one comes and tells Job that while his sons and daughters were feasting, that a mighty wind, perhaps a tornado, hurricane, uh, tornado likely, I, I, I suppose, I really don't know, it sweeps down from the wilderness and it destroys the house, killing everyone inside, including his children. And I'm the only one to escape again. And here it is in my notes. There's a lot of discussion if this is just an allegory. I mean, how could these things really happen? But if you want to make note of these, Ezekiel 14, you could read that. Verses 14, 16, and 20 for sure. They reference Job. They talk about Noah and Daniel and Job in those verses. Um, though in verse 20, Ezekiel 20 says, Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, uh, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter. They uh, shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. And so I, I believe Ezekiel, and you know, ultimately it's God that authors the book there, uh, makes a reference to Job as a real person. Uh, James 5.11 says this, Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job, and I've seen the end of the Lord, and that the Lord is very pitiful and tender mercy. So again, Job was a real person, is all I'm trying to say. Uh, this isn't an allegory that we just learned some great things from. Uh, this is the Word of God. It was a real person that God blessed. God took away. And obviously, we know the end of the story. God blessed him again. Uh, but listen, he went through some suffering. We read the book of Job. And we look at the latter part of his life. So we know that it's all sunshine and butterflies in the end. Job did not know that when these messengers were coming. All he knows is, boy, setback after setback, death after death. All of that I had, all my prosperity, all my wealth, gone. My family, gone. So he's living that in the moment, experiencing that. He doesn't know that God's going to bring this all to pass in the end that we understand today. 
just like it is when we go through hard times. We get a message from the doctor. We need to have a follow-up appointment. Well, if he wants to see me face-to-face, what does that mean? Or the house burns down. My mother-in-law, when she was growing up, their house burned down and they lost everything. A loved one dies. And we want to quit on God because things got a little hard. Things got difficult. And so that brings us here, and hopefully this is where I want to make the application this morning. So after hearing all this devastating news, these messengers have come and given them all this horrible news. Job gets up, rends his clothes, shaves his head, all of which are expressions of grief, right? Uh, He obviously is grieving in this, no doubt with his children uh, dying. But look at verse 21, if you would. Verse 20, uh, then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped. What's his response? Worship. Boy, when we're going through it, what do we want to do? Quit. This whole church thing ain't for me. Listen, and that's the problem. It's not about church. It's about your relationship with the Holy God. It's not about the time to come here and fellow. Though, listen, that's, that's an important piece of it. But listen, you need to get a hold of God in your life. Job could respond in the way that we're going to look at here in a few moments only because of chapter 1. Because he walked with God. He ordered his life according to the word of God. Listen, we want to have victory in our life. We want to, have, we want to be the success story. We've got to get real with our God. We've got to start walking with our God. We've got to start spending time in the Word of God. We've got to start applying the Word of God to our lives. So that way when the messenger comes, when death comes, when financial ruin comes, we can lay down and worship our God and say, naked came I in, naked I'm going out. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return hither. Listen, everything that you have is God's and God can take it away in a moment. And then what do you have? You have Christ. I trust you're saved today. The Lord gave and the Lord taketh away. Look what he says, blessed be the name of the Lord. He's still got faith in his God. Job has the proper perspective on his possessions. Do your possessions own you? Are you living life just for what you can get? You're going to be sorely disappointed in the end. Do you have the proper perspective on your possessions today? All of it is nothing. The house that you have, listen, you're going to croak one day and somebody else is going to live in that thing. You could wrap your car around a telephone pole tomorrow. Best car I've ever had. 
it's going to rust and corrupt and waste away into nothing. Where is our focus today? Boy, we're so consumed with the things of this world. Boy, we think God is good because we're blessed and we're prosperous. And listen, he is. But God is still good when we have nothing. It doesn't change God that your, your level of prosperity. The Lord gave and he can take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Listen, Job expresses his faith in a sovereign God. None of it matters. The only thing that matters is God and God alone. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Our ultimate response to adversity in our lives should always be to rest in faith alone and worship God as our sovereign Lord. Do you believe He's your Lord? We say that. But when the challenges come, do we act that way? Do we fall down and, and worship our God and say, thank you, God? Job realizes everything he had was from God. Everything, his family, all of it. You must understand that this morning. Job also knows that the Lord who gave it can take it all away. You need to understand that. And it doesn't change whether God's good or not. God's still good. But Job's faith here is just amazing to me. He has a great faith. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In the midst of his sorrow, in the midst of all of his grief, all he can say is, blessed be the name of the Lord. He had the proper perspective on life. He honored God in prosperity and wealth and blessing. And here he is honoring God with nothing. When all that's taken away, he still had the main thing, the most important thing. Listen this morning, if you don't know Christ, I urge you to come to him today. But listen, if you have Christ, you have the greatest thing ever available to anyone on this earth. There's nothing of more value. But one lesson we must learn from Job is we cannot prepare for adversity after it comes. We have to prepare before it arrives. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Listen, we need to get strengthened in the Lord. We need to start walking with our God because the hard times are coming. Listen, for some of you, they're here today, right now. You're living it. And for those that are, that are on the mountaintop and they're enjoying life right now, praise Him while you can. Draw closer to Him in this time because the valley's coming. I can't tell you when, but I, I, in my life, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, it's coming. The real caliber of our faith is not revealed when we have a flat tire, maybe we've got a 24-hour flu bug, or when our checkbook doesn't balance. The real test of our faith is revealed when the vicious tornadoes of life hit. Do you mind if I go a little bit late because I couldn't find my notes? <clears throat> I found this, uh, but years ago, cash registers were built with small marble slabs incorporated in them. 
And I looked up some Google images of it, and it was, you know, in 1900s. I think it was even before that. And they even used this method far before that. But um, they had a small little marble thing at the end of, you know, on a, they have all the, the buttons and numbers. And then there was a little slab above the drawer that would come out. You've probably have seen them in, in, in movies. I know some of you watch movies, but... Um, a little marble slab, and these marble slabs were used to detect counterfeit coins. A teller could determine if a coin was real or fake by the sound it made when it hit the marble. And it was easy to, to see, and so uh, God allows Satan to give Job a few hits to see if, how true Job would ring. Was that real silver pounded on that marble or not? Is Job the real Man of God? Is Job walking with God like he ought to? And he, so God allows those tornadoes in our life. God allows us to be beat against the marble, if you will. He allows those to see how, what kind of sound is going to resound back. Is this somebody that has true faith? Somebody that's truly walking with me and living for me? Peter tells us we can rejoice when we suffer various travels because God is testing the genuineness of our faith. I'm almost done. <clears throat> Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing. Listen, what I, I, I don't have a lot of time, but what I want to tell you is, it's not your faith that's of more precious than gold. It's the testing or the trying of it. Being much more precious than of gold, this does not mean uh, that their faith was much more precious than gold, but that the testing of it, the process of showing whether it was or was not genuine, was a much more important and valuable process than that of testing the gold in the fire. More important results to be arrived by it, and it was more desirable that it should be done. Albert Barnes. Listen, verse 1 of Job's life comes before verses 20 through 22. He had a genuine faith in his God. Therefore, he could respond properly in adversity. Listen this morning, adversity is coming. The troubles of life are headed your way. Are you ready? Let's pray.